Hello, beautiful people. You are listening to the Communal Table Podcast, part of Food & Wine Pro. I'm your host, Kat Kinsman, Senior Editor at Food & Wine. When Chef Sam Four sees something she can fix, she jumps in to help. As the restaurant industry was devastated by COVID-19, she joined the Lee Initiative to help make sure that workers were being fed and to help create a system where the whole community could benefit in the long term, because that's just who she is as a person. But it wasn't until recently that she offered that kind of care to herself in the form of starting therapy. In part two of this two-part conversation, Four talks about the nitty-gritty of building sustainable relationships between restaurants and farms, how stigma gets in the way of mental health care, especially in the South Asian community, and what it means to have your food on the cover of a magazine. Okay, so I had to jump on another call and go to therapy, but we are back now. And uh, let's therapy talk. is very important. Oh my god, so so crucial. You sent me into therapy with a smile on my face, and, and then, that was. And then you came out to puppy pictures because I rectified oh, my mistake. God, and I sending you puppy pictures. I I think I owe you back if you want to see my dogs as well. I always do. You can always send me puppy pictures. Because you know what? Like, it really, really does so much for my mood. And as I was having, a, you know, especially horrible, so no one was having a great summer, but as I was having an especially horrible summer, like the pictures of puppies, your puppies that you sent me, like, really, you know, I really believe in people who. Actually, I'm going to throw it back to Waffles and Mochi here for a second because um, Ooh, we're tying it all together. It, uh, call. We talked about that while we were recording, not beforehand, right? I think we did. Um, but we, <laughs> Waffles and Mochi, in case we didn't, we were talking about Waffles and Mochi beforehand. And there is this great thing where Michelle Obama is showing her family tree and she included the dogs in her family tree. Aww. And an early, I think an early part in your yours and my relationship. Well, actually, I think a, I think of a few benchmarks in that. One was that, like, I sort of realized, like, okay, you live with your dogs, like I live with my, with my dogs, where they're, you know, it's family. It's it, you know, it's just I, oh, I wouldn't I know what to do with that. Yeah, my well, my dog usually won't sleep unless he can see me. It's, I mean, I like especially during this time of isolation. Like, I have this ridiculous lowrider dog named Penelope, and like her belly touching her belly has gotten me through so much panic and fear. Like, and I feel you like know, nothing yeah. says love like a dog with a long body and short legs. Oh my god, she's such a lowrider. I almost feel like in the show notes, I need to include a link to a post of of her because she is uh, just this ridiculous mutt, and uh, you know, and Augie isn't too bad either, and. The, well, the actually the other thing that stands out about me is like you know, and I was thinking about this like during the break. You and I was writing a headline for what this is going to be called and saying like you're not not afraid to speak up. I might have used slightly saltier language or, than that or something. I but, mean, I use very salty language, so it's okay. <laughs> I'm just trying to be good. <laughs> yeah, and bless you for that. But like you came up to me at uh, I think we were at a conference and uh, yep, it sure was, and you were calling out some some real cruddy behavior uh that you oh, had, had I seen remember that. yeah yeah and you know that there was a net positive that it got stuff got taken care of which is good yeah, yeah, that, the, the gentleman in question definitely got taken care of i actually yeah that was not a fun time <laughs> yeah yeah so this is a fantastic woman here who you know sees something says something and you know I'm and i angry a lot 
Oh, same. <laughs> and uh, I think that's half the reason I'm in physical therapy. I'm just like <laughs> crunched up all the time. And that's the thing is like, I think there's so much volleying that goes on like where we're all sort of lobbing it to each other like hey you have the connection here to like enact change like somebody speaks to somebody else so to speak to somebody else and you know and we each kind of take our turns about like who is the person who kind of is closest to to power can affect change or something like that and like have somebody like officially booted from a festival say how i think of the the road that i've taken into the food industry though because i feel like everyone has this concept of just waiting in line at the gate but if you walk around the wall, there's a big mm. hole in it and you can just yep. in. So that's what I did. And that's yeah. what I tend to do. <laughs> yeah, and and that's what, and things actually get changed. Like the person, you know, I actually found out because actually the night, I think it was even a different person, like, you know, the, the night before. Yeah, I, two separate incidents. Yeah, I walked yeah, into the, the – oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I know I did because I, I walked into the hotel at, like – after midnight, my flight was hellishly delayed and somebody comes up to me and tells me what happened. And so I immediately had to get uh, in touch with the festival organizers and tell them what happened. And, you know, everybody was running around busy, but late in, they emailed me a couple weeks later and said like, Hey, you know, so sorry to email you late, but th that situation was taken care of right away. And then, yeah, it's, uh, this, <laughs> this is the dirty work. It's exhausting, right? <laughs> somebody's gotta do it though yeah. i just i get very i get exhausted when everyone's volleying because i just want to get it done i don't know yeah. if it's the way that my mother's ingrained it into me or what but it's like if something has to get done it's gotta get done just gotta yeah get done. speaking of you handle logistics for the lee initiative do you not is that what is your title I there some logistics i'm the director of technology and new media because i am a nerd so tell us what that means so I have been working on their web presences. In, in the beginning of the pandemic, it was basically all hands on deck. Everywhere. It, yeah. Yeah, we were, we were all filling out applications for grants and stuff. We were all, like, kind of banding together to get as much done and as many people fed as humanly possible. Yeah. And then once we expanded the team a little bit, and now my role is primarily digitally related. So when we did the Maker's Mark um, community badge, which was a blend of all these projects at once, and it's actually really, really good, um, I did all the online sales for that. And so I didn't get arrested for selling alcohol on the internet, so I called that <laughs> a victory. But I really love working with the Reboot program, and sometimes I get to do the best job ever. Could you explain for, for people what, like, a little capsule of, like, what the Lee Initiative is and what the Reboot is? So, Lee Initiative stands for Let's Empower Employment, and it was founded by Chef Edward Lee, who is a friend of all. And, a good, good human and a good Kentuckian. <laughs> and Lindsay Ossasek, who I'm absolutely convinced if she put her mind to it, she can move a mountain within a minute. I mean, she has made so many things happen. It's unreal. So those two were doing women empowerment, women chefs sort of oriented programs, helping women meet mentors in the industry and find a, a greater path for them and something that they're interested in, linking them up with the right people, so on and so forth. When the restaurants closed, Edward has a bunch of walk-ins full of food that they don't know what to do with, so they started feeding the neighbors. 
which then expanded to Los Angeles wants to do it. So, you know, chef friends are calling in and then Seattle happened and New York happened. And then all of a sudden, within three weeks, we had 19 kitchens across the country. That's, so from that, wow. it's insane. I think over the past year, we've served over a million and a half I would not be surprised. I mean, I, I I talked to Edward like not too long after he started doing this and you know and he was uh he was so emotional and he was so tired and I was saying like, you know, when is the last time you slept and he was and what keeps you going and nobody was sleeping these days, but Edward yeah. was like burning the candle at both ends. Yeah, and you know, and I'll link to the previous podcast uh, with with him as he was talking it through. And I I love his baby girl. I think of her as a baby still, <laughs> she's and she's shred. <laughs> and and he was saying like going, you know, getting to go home and see her was the like the, the thing. And you know, and his wife is incredible, and it's just it's just good folks. Ryan does a lot with the Lunar Shave as well. Like she was doing some of our donor relations last year, and now she consults with us. But, yeah, I uh, admire her so sure. much. What a good family. Yeah, I was working with them as like a web farm. You know, mm-hmm. they're like, you do website stuff. Can you help us? I'm like, no, no worries. Just do it as in kind. It's fine. And so now, you know, we've revamped the website. We have all these programs that are going this year. So we've restarted slash revamped the Women's Chefs program. And now it's the Women's Culinary and Spirits program. And I think mm-hmm. applications are actually still open for that. And it's going to be amazing this year. Um, link us up (laughs) I will link you up and then you've got the restaurant workers relief program which is feeding first responders right now I believe in San Francisco and it might just be Oakland I'm not Mm -hmm. sure where our kitchens are open right now right it's a very strange week yeah and then we've got and we're working with Southern Restaurants for Racial Justice with Lisa Donovan Cheryl Day you're just saying so many names I like they're just all good people yeah and then it's just all good people who want to help. And so we were able to get the corporate funding to get as many people fed as possible, and it just kept on growing. But what we noticed is, is that when restaurants started reopening, a lot of the supply chains were a bit broken. Farmers were losing their entire wholesale accounts. There was one farmer that I spoke to in Georgia had lost 70 wholesale accounts within a month. Oh, my God. And the big thing is... But beyond empowering employment it's making sure that you know we have something sustainable in this country to to look towards for our independent restaurants program has infused about a million dollars into small local farms where all does the money come from for this uh the reboot program was largely funded by audi and makers mark mm-hmm. that's corporate and then we obviously get donations that are routed and over i think it's the only nonprofit I've ever worked with that has over 90% of the dollar donated going straight back into community programs. Wow. That is, yeah. Because we don't have a big overhead. We're a distributed team and we just kind of make, it's it's strange, but things just kind of happen. You know, we, we make things happen, but when we're like, huh, we did that. Now what do we do? <laughs> I, th- I think, you know, the pandemic has been that on so, so many levels. I mean, y- you know, I'm just saying like, you know, over on the publication side here, you know, we haven't, you know, I haven't seen most of my colleagues in a year and yet we are, you know, still putting out a magazine and a website and, and all of this. And yeah. So it's still, you know, it's still definitely, you know, happens and you, you figure out a way. And I've been so incredibly 
impressed by the way that people in the culinary industry have you know figured out how to how to still do this but um but especially then focus it on how do i get people fed how do i get my community fed how do i get restaurant workers fed that is and the core of yeah of us. there there is a core of hospitality in, in all of us and yeah at the end of the day we all just want people to eat yeah so i think it's not a tall order for asking your restaurants to show up because we show up for folks in the culinary industry show up for everybody. Oh, you're the first. Yeah, you're you're first. You know, when I in, you know, sort of my previous uh, jobs when I was at CNN, I, you know, a lot of my colleagues were going to disaster sites and you know, the people who sort of roll up at the same time are like the barbecue folks because they are, you know, they're mobile. They have their you know, they they can, they drive their rigs there, uh, Stan Hayes and the good people at, you know, Operation uh, Barbecue Relief, you know, it, it like, you know, roll right up there and chefs know how to get stuff done. You roll up with your Cambros and... I mean, look at what Chef Isaac Cruz has done. Oh, love that man. He, like, awesome? he's one of my... in Atlanta too. Yeah, he, he and his wife Amanda are a couple of my favorite people on, on this planet and they just completely they were like you know the thing that really um got to them because they as he as he says you know we're cajun or you know we'll we'll just or as he says we cajun and you know we can feed people with like you know a shoe and some water or whatever you know you know we'll get it done pumping them out i mean it was so so impressive to me to see how many people activated instead of wallowing you know yeah and what that's the impressive and I know from them that they were saying the thing that really, really got them is they were like, you know, let's feed the neighbors, let's feed the whatever. And he and, you know, and Edward said this too, the thing that really got them is that they were seeing restaurant workers in that line and, and restaurant workers who could not afford to feed themselves or their families. The day and, before we opened the Lexington kitchen, there was a gentleman who was a local service industry worker and he was just like, oh my gosh, I thought there was going to be food today. And we went in and we got him as much as we could, but Good. it just underscored to me the ind- the instability of the employment in the industry. Because I feel like something like 18,000 people in Fayette County lost their jobs in one day. Like, it was absurd. Yeah. But they don't know, you know, the undocumented workers, they don't know when their next meal is coming from. And they're sure not getting any help from the government. Any assistance, nothing. Because it's so, risky. <laughs> I mean, when you show up, and, and this is what I appreciate about Edward and Lindsay, is that when you show up, they show up for everybody. Yeah. And yeah. that is admirable to me because it doesn't matter, you know, some people are like, oh, well, you shouldn't help these people. because well, No, there's, we help everyone. We feed everyone. I think we were, Lindsay and I were having nightly uh, phone calls for about the first six months. And we just kept on yelling, we just got to feed the babies. Yeah. <laughs> we just got to feed all the babies. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. I had talked, uh, you know, sort of in the thick of all of us to Rachel Ray. And she was, My you know. and low-key obsessed with Rachel Ray. She's an, she's an incredible human being, like really and truly. And, you know, she she has it baked into everything that she does, that there is a component to get people fed and then and also to take care of their pets. So she made sure in all of this that people were, were getting meals and and also that their animals were getting food. They were giving out bags of dog food. Like, it was phenomenal. People yeah. did, people were not worried about where their dog's next meal was coming. We got dog food, cat food, every kind of... 
I mean, we didn't get any fish food, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, I honestly know a lot of people like would, would feed their dogs before they would feed themselves. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. My dogs are way cuter than I am. So. <laughs> you're pretty cute. <laughs> <laughs> don't report me to HR for saying you're cute. I will not. <laughs> about the reinitiate is when you get to call the farmers and tell them that they're a part of this reboot program oh. where the Lee initiative buys a bunch of produce and then they supply it to the restaurants at no charge because the Lee initiative is taking care of the tab mm. so the food system kind of remains intact the supply chain the crops nothing is going to get a waste and you have a way to not have to focus as much of your money and your cash flow on food cost so with the farms and the artisans that we've worked with, it's been, you know, everything from goat cheese to beef to specialty grain, you know. We, we sent grain to a stone mill in Lexington from uh, a, a small local farmer. And if everybody's kind of working together and everybody is part of this, it also has an emotional component in it that it does away with shame because I, I know that that has been a factor for a lot of people because people are losing, you know, they lost their job through absolutely no fault of, mm -hmm. of their own. And even if they had, so what, like it could be, there's uh, one of the, one of the people who's an organizer on hoarders has like this whole thing about like, everybody is and follow me here. Like he's like, everybody is three bad decisions away from shitting in a bucket. It's true. And yeah. And it, the thing is, like, I don't care who you are. This could happen to you. And and the notion that anybody would be feeling any any shame about being in that line. And Edward was telling me, like, he saw people who, you know, if it had just you been them, the they neighbors. probably, yeah, they probably wouldn't have been, like, in, in that line. But they knew they had to feed their kids, their family. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it really, it you know, and I think this pandemic and has driven it home. <laughs> He's been very vocal about reducing the stigma of receiving aid because yes. we are a proud sort of people. So I appreciate yeah. that because it's, you know, I mean, I don't want anyone to feel shy about asking for help, but it's very difficult to ask for help when you need it. Yeah. And that, and that goes on all different levels too. It could be uh -huh. hunger. It could be money. It could be physical health. It could be mental health. It could be, you know, housing. It could be absolutely any of of those things and you I know i finally found a therapist during the pandemic and that oh, might bless have you <laughs> oh bless you you know i banged the drum for that <laughs> and yeah, you were like do you have anyone to talk to and i was like i'm talking to you i am i am trained as a crisis counselor and that's it <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but beyond that like you know my sister's a therapist god bless that woman <laughs> and uh, you know, also from Kentucky and, uh, you know, now holding down the fort in South Carolina. And, you know, luckily we were brought up to, you know, our, our mother, she was, uh, you know, in therapy. She was kind of a little funny about it too, but I started going when I was 13, 14 and it, I would not, I can say I would not be on this earth if it weren't for that. So I started until I was 37 and I'm very glad that I started because there's such a huge stigma against yes. mental health in the South Asian community. Yeah. And I really wish that that wasn't the case because it has helped me so much. Oh my I God. I can actually process things. Like, it doesn't feel like my brain's on pause. It's, you know, right as you and I were, were talking about this via text, I was texting with another South Asian friend and who I actually have two, two others besides you two. I have oh been trying, trying to be like, I, you know, 
like you know one person like trying to she, she's like i'm scared of therapy and i was like i will i'm like i'm, I'm just thinking like can i trick you into therapy saying we're going out for drinks and boom actually you're in therapy sorry i'm leaving <laughs> and another one who was finally like you know i've been yelling at her for such a long time she finally was like can you get me some names <laughs> I just, but, I, it took me a second to find the right fit, but, yeah. you know, I have a woman of color therapist who, who understands, you know, deep-seated issues with how it is to be a minority in the United States. Can, can you, do you feel comfortable sort of articulating, like, what the stigma is and how to get around it? I mean, I feel like mental health in the South Asian community is something that is always whispered about. Mm-hmm. and never taken seriously um because you know we're we're not the nicest to each other you know everything mm-hmm. is uh you've gone up you've gone down you've put on weight what are you doing with this why are you doing this why didn't you mm-hmm. get an a plus why'd you just get an a you know <laughs> right <laughs> all of those crazy standards plus like the model minority myth that we all have to live up to it's yeah. a lot of pressure that's so much <laughs> it's... it's way too much pressure I see it breaking so many dear, dear friends of mine. And, you know, and I realized like how ridiculously privileged I am to have started going at that age. And it just, mm-hmm. you know, I, mean, I, I would have never thought to do that in high school at all. Yeah. I mean, I probably it, needed it, but I never would have thought to do it. Well, the thing is, it was that or I was going to die. So, <laughs> you know, it, it became, you know, it, it became that. And they went through absolutely everything. Like maybe she has cancer. Maybe she has, you know, they went through all the possibilities. And then we're like, oh, she's depressed and bullied and all this stuff. And I was like, palpable. I mean, it, it creates such an odd feeling that it's like, well, I'm, I'm doing the right things, but all this is still happening. Why yeah. is this still happening? Yeah. And if you've been told just to suck it up or that you'll somehow be an embarrassment to the family or, family you know. My thankfully not like that. But yeah. you know, it was just never something that was discussed. So. And there's now also, I like it for, because especially because of the pandemic, there's so much more to process. And are you, like, and just mechanically, are you doing telemedicine or telemedicine. like, yeah. okay, Yeah. That's, you know what, that's actually like broken down the barriers for so many people going um, because Although, uh, I'm not going to lie. I low key wanted to be on like a fainting couch <laughs> that was made of black leather with a cigarette hanging out of my mouth, even though I don't smoke anymore. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I, like, I had that vision in my head. I'm like, this is going to be great. At some point, I'm going to get a martini. It's going to be phenomenal. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You have to do this the right way. <laughs> oh, my, my, my therapist has three dogs. And so when I, you know, when I have gone in person, I've sat on her couch with three dogs and that is an amazing thing. And my dog uh, so, likes to butt in on the call. Oh, so yeah. She's the Loretta, the little foxhound. She'll just slide her face into the frame and she's <laughs> up against my face. And she, her eyes are half closed because she's sleepy. But she she wants to make sure that we know that she's there so <laughs> and i will say like this is a generational difference between uh, you and me i'm gen x you're millennial i do not do the face therapy i just have stri- straight up voice on it and and then my therapist is a boomer so even <laughs> so even more oh, no. but I, we hear the dogs in the background and um I'm going to try to figure out how to obliquely say this without blowing up anybody's spot yet, because this is not public yet, but I happen to know of an organization that is about to hook up the restaurant industry with uh, free therapy through a service. So, so now as... you don't have an excuse. 
<laughs> yeah. So this is gonna, this is gonna eliminate that. I mean, yeah. and the thing is, like, but accessibility and, and money are a big problem with that. It's yeah, huge. it's huge. And Especially and when so many people have lost their jobs and everything, like it's 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 sometimes hard to justify you know, therapy when you could also be taking care of things in your life. Right, right. And that's so important. And this, um, you know, I hope when it is officially announced, it's going to, you know, it'll, it'll tear down some of that. And, you know, it's just, it's internalized stigma. Do you feel like the industry, I, you know, I've, I've been of course charting this change for years now, because you know, when I started talking about it, no, nobody wanted to talk about it and I'd get yelled at for, for talking about it. Oh my God. People are like, why are you butting in here? Like, you know, like, why are you sticking your nose? You're not a chef. Don't, you know, get your nose out of here. And, oh, uh, okay. They tell me I'm not a chef either. And I tell them uh, better than I will. And then they oh, shut up. Yeah, <laughs> no, you're exactly. But, but it like, and they, they can go screw themselves because you're a chef and a half like so it, it how many I'm of them have, for them anyways how many of them have gotten the cover of food and wine you know it's yeah, uh, no, that was very controversial so, okay actually actually can we talk about you have this recipe for this tomato pie that our staff is obsessed with and well and i mean you have many many fans on our stuff and you know so many of us have uh, made this tomato pie can you explain the origins of it and why it was controversial funny it i laugh at it now but at the time i went full hose beast on like this epic Instagram rant that apparently was screenshot and sent all over the city. (laughs) So my husband and I went back to Sri Lanka in 2017 and we were staying at a place called the Cinnamon Red and they had this chili cheese toast. It's something I remember that we had when we were growing up, kind of similar to masala toast for the Indian community, but it was like chopped onions, chopped serranos, bunch of cheese and then some sort of binding agent and then a dusting of spice and I was like this is delicious this is absolutely delicious I want to eat this all the time so fast forward to doing a pop-up at Milkwood and I was telling Glenn and Kevin the chefs over there about this amazing dish they're like okay you're gonna recreate it and I'm like wait what (laughs) (laughs) Surprise! surprise and so I was just like okay and somehow and like 20, 30 minutes, we'd figured it out, and we ended up putting it under a roasted curry powder beef tartare. Mm. So it was very good. <laughs> like, my friends yes. did so many as, like, the tartare lady, and I don't even, I'm not good at making tartare. Like, Glenn's amazing at making tartare, but I can just do flavors. <laughs> so in December, the next month, Mary Frances was asking me for a recipe. Mary Frances, our senior food editor. Who is amazing. Truly. And the original idea I had was using sorghum, and sorghum is not very easy to source if you're not in the South. It did not occur to me at all. And so I decided, I am totally blowing my spot up here. I, I decided to put together a bunch of words that I thought would sound cool. <laughs> Honestly, this is how so many recipes get. Friend of mine at the restaurant recently was doing Sicilian fried chicken, and my friend, my friend is a friend of house partner, was like, "What's that?" And he's like, "I don't know, make it. I'm gonna make it up." <laughs> and it was like blood orange and oregano, and it's some of the best fried chicken I've ever had. I, mean, I had 
a list of recipes, and that was like maybe fifth or sixth on the list. And then my sister came up to Beth, and she goes, the roasted tomato pie sounds great. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> and I don't know if you have beeps, but there will be a very long beep for everything I said after that. <laughs> you got yourself into it, and you know it. I got myself into it, so I, I tried to figure, I'm not a pastry chef, so I tried to figure out the easiest way to make a pie crust. Mm-hmm. And that started Wait, it. And well, I'm, you know what? That's user-friendly. That is reader-friendly when you do this. Because like, when chefs give us recipes so many times, it's like nobody has like a hotel pan full of demi-gloss at their house what are you doing oh that does sound like a lovely thing to have at your house it would be great but we can't expect (laughs) our readers to have that on hand so so your crust was a food bowl or something they've got hands you know they can make it work (laughs) so i I just made it the first couple iterations of it were a nightmare Mm -hmm. it was just like a big cheese volcano monster that had (laughs) no no bounds like the, t- the tomatoes are just frowning on the inside. The problem here is it's what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not very pretty to look at. <laughs> so That's fine with me. <laughs> I decided to roast the tomatoes off and I sent that version in. And then we figured out that when you salt them down early enough, they just lose enough water without having to roast them. That just mm-hmm. eliminates the stuff. That's what I love about working with the food and wine team. Is yep. that they know how to make my recipes simpler. The kitchen is so rigorous there. I mean, members of the food team have been on the podcast before, and uh, their process is so. Oh, dreamy Josh Miller! It's uh, but they're they're so you know, and they'll try a recipe dozens and dozens of times, and 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 just you know tweak it down. And I mean the the end product of this, uh, the thing that really got me, uh, like personal tangent here sorry uh, is the the tamarind because when I was growing up in Kentucky I had a friend who was thinking like oh maybe I you know I want to be a chef and he wanted to make this recipe and uh, and I remember going around to like every Kroger and thinking like I can't find any freaking tamarind and this is like you know 1990 or or something to find in the 90s impossible yeah, and and I was trying to find it, and, and this is when I was like, I was realized that I was going away to college, and I was like, I'm getting out of here. You can't even find tamarind. I didn't know what the hell tamarind, was, you know, really was. So the fact that you know you're you're a Kentucky chef, um, making a recipe with tamarind in it, it just put the biggest smile on my face. <laughs> well, I mean, there's so I feel like I just like did like a secret infiltration once that cover happened because those onions are very directly based on a sambal I've been eating since I was a child. Mm -hmm. And so I just said, you know, we got Sini Sambal on the cover of a magazine in America. Yeah. Yeah. And it felt like such a huge victory to me. I don't know if you saw uh, the cover that was uh, the doll um, that was Antara. That that was Antara's mother, (laughs) Antara and her mother, their recipe. And I saw the emotional response to it and it was uh, such a beautiful thing. And like, and that food is, you know, these covers are so important because it it really lets people know, like all of this cuisine is so important and so treasured and, you know, about this for months and y'all didn't tell me until like two weeks before. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone was hinting to something. I was like, what the hell is happening? Are they putting a picture of the pie next to the recipe? I don't understand. Yeah. I think it was it was either you or no it was you who sent me the first picture I think I I remember we actually wanted to surprise you and like have the cover reveal like having your mom see it or something like that I don't remember the oh, sequence. My mother. 
My mother, I told her, and, you know, my mom has food and wine magazines and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, mom, I got the cover. You know, it's very exciting. And she's like, okay. <laughs> Is that a very South Asian mother I mean, response from what I, I gather? talking to my husband. And she's like, this is good, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then she realized now she has like a pile of magazines at the door. Oh. But at the time she was like, is this good? I don't know if this is good. I'm like, mom, people get pretty excited about it, but I don't yeah. know how I did it. So, <laughs> Well, and then also you, it was part of this incredible feature that had, you know, various other chefs in it too. And, and it was. Those chefs have been so much for my development as a person, oh. as a chef, as everything. It's like, they are, they are my chosen family. Yeah. It really is the case, but it's like people, people do get upset when, things happen for you and they don't happen for them. I had a, I had a business partner that was running around and he was like, Oh, you know, I taught her everything she knows. I totally oh, made geez. that pie for, her. I don't know. You know, she's not a chef. She doesn't know what she's doing. All she does is run around in high heels in the kitchen, Jeez. which I don't because I could probably break my ankle because I'm very clumsy. <laughs> so- <laughs> and so I found out and I went ballistic with the, uh, with the Fernet shot her around the world and whew, I went ballistic. But now people know that like, I'm very protective because like, I don't have a book. I don't have a restaurant. I don't really have much all these things yet. Eh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> a book probably, but yeah. the rest of it, maybe, I don't know. I'm still kind of in that mode, but it's just like, I didn't have anything to stick. That was my big old flag in the food scene. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there is nobody that is going to take this away. I put Steamy Sambal on the cover of a magazine. You sure did. The cheese toast from my childhood in a magazine. This is this is a huge moment for Sri Lankan food. Yeah. And truly. It was just not, I was flying a lot then. So every time I went by the stores, I would see the displays with it and I'd just start giggling. I'm pretty sure I was on a TSA watch list that summer because oh, I would I, just walk and giggle. Okay. I would see that cover and I would take it out and I would put that in front of other magazines. <laughs> Sorry, other magazines. But, <laughs> but every, every magazine that month had a tomato pie on the cover. That was a crazy thing. But not like yours. No, I mean, they didn't have curry powder in theirs. They didn't have no. serranos in theirs. They didn't have turmeric in their crust. They didn't have black pepper in their crust. Yeah. I put black pepper in everything. But it's just like, that is such an amalgamation and a recipe that is me. Because yeah. it's a combination of talking out of my ass, getting called out for it, <laughs> having to execute. And like then mm-hmm. refining, refining, refining to the point that it is where it is today. And like now I just make, with the remnants of when I'm making a pie... I just throw it in the grilled cheese sandwiches and it's wonderful. <laughs> so wait, so how was this controversial in your town? Oh my gosh. Everyone thought that I hadn't done it because there's one idiot who decides to run his mouth. Oh, so that guys. was because of him? Yeah, every <sighs> guys. Why does everyone, and this is also very relevant to everything that's been happening. It's like, why is it that when a white dude says something, nobody questions it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and a lot of the things that were said were heinously untrue and derogatory even. And this, these people are the ones who are, like, trying to kiss up to me so they can use me to get elsewhere. And so I, the, the, the... Hey, who do you know at Food and Wine? Hey, like, like the that kind of... was gone for them after that. Yeah. Because, like, I want to believe the best in everyone. I yeah, really me do. too. But yeah. my God, some people in the food world are jerks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I get, you know, like, I get told that I'm not a chef on the regular. I get told <sighs> that I can't cook on the regular and, and all this stuff. I'm like, guys... <sighs> 
if no. I cared what you thought, I wouldn't be doing anything. No. But and so I tell them I'm like, just do what I do better and I'll back off. Yeah. And none of them have been able to do it. No. Yeah. So I mean put up or shut up. And I really think this pandemic also is has really had a lot of people having a reckoning about like, okay, what is a chef? And I think the answer has, I mean, it's always been there, but now it's sort of more, uh, you know, discussed or sometimes it takes, you know, multiple voices saying it, but are you, you know, can you be a chef if you're making, you know, making plates and selling them out of your home? Are you, can you be a chef out of, you know, a pop-up window? Can you be a chef out of truck? Yeah. Like, yeah, absolutely. You team. You're commanding your team. You... Although in some Southern kitchens, when I've done guest things, they've called me ma'am. <laughs> uh, you can call me Sam. You can mm-hmm. maybe call me chef if I like you. But ma'am, yeah, Sam, uh, don't ever go for ma'am because then I'm just going to get the wooden spoon and chase people. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we <Where's> chef. <laughs> Like I, you know, I want a bunch of people in like white toques to, to have to, we chef you. You know, the people who have worked traditional lines mm-hmm. would come and try to help in the tent and they would get flustered because they don't realize you're setting up an entire restaurant within an hour. Yeah. yeah. It's you have hard to make sure work. everything is hot. You have to make sure your cold stuff's cold. Every single day that you serve, you're inspected by the health department. Mm-hmm. So it has to be perfect. And I did all of that in an hour and a half and still made food to order. Yeah. So guess what? Fight me. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) I I just want a shirt with your face on it saying, fight me. (laughs) I'm surprised one doesn't exist at this point. I sell it on on your merch. Sell it with with all this stuff. like. The chef in Kentucky, Rita oh, Michael. She's I just wrote a little blurb about her about her book that you will see on foodandwine.com in the next couple of days. <laughs> she is such a positive force for me. But she she's declared that I'm a snack queen. And so <laughs> everyone's just like, well, I want to be a snack queen. I'm like, well, go ahead. <laughs> it's, a, it's a whole wide landscape out there. There can be more than one of us. I actually had a necklace made for my work wife, Margaret Eby, snack doula. <laughs> Margaret. <laughs> She's she is uh my sanity, my heart, all of these She's things. And she she had de- declared at one point that she was our snack doula, so I had a necklace made for her that said that I love to uh like get sort of these thematic things and like have people able to like own a thing. We have our senior hot dog editor in the form of Maria Yagoda <laughs> and uh <laughs> Um, Chief Vibestress or Senior Vibestress is what we call uh, Sarah Crowder. I, wait, what did oh. I call it? Antara has uh, I declared her something. Oh, Tofu Whisperer. Like, <laughs> she's an expert on tofu, but I love having that. I you know I know it's like I'm not trying to be reductive because all everybody here contains multitudes, but I love that sort Look, of that slogan thing. If you yeah. make it accessible, if you make it approachable, more people are going to try it. And yeah. so that's why I've always been like, I don't make plates, I make snacks. Yeah. Because people aren't going to get any sort of preconceived notion about something that they're just supposed to pop into their face. Yeah. Oh my God, I want to, I'm just thinking of all those, <laughs> all your recipes and all the things I want to pop into my face. And uh, we have a food and wine cooks with you. What did you make for that? 
Oh, man. I've done two of them, actually. Yeah. I did the spicy mango pork, which was another moment where I was just like, Josh, I don't know what this is, but it's good. Mm -hmm. And so I sent him the recipe, and then he replied with, he's like, I also don't know what this is, but this is good. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so it was like a rice noodle salad with uh, tamarind pork and mangoes and (laughs) It turned out so well. So I did a video for that, and my husband stole my plate of it, you know, as I was turned around. So I was too- <laughs> <laughs> And then I did the tempered ginger sweet potatoes. That's that's potatoes. what it was. I had been eating them since I was a kid. You know, they're just so good. And they're so easy. It's so easy to impart a lot of flavor. It's just that people are scared to wield it. I mean, <laughs> do not be afraid. It is a mighty power, but you must wield it. it. You must wield it. <laughs> But we have its responsibility. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so, what is what is your next goal? What is this oh, this man. thing? Well, okay. So I asked I these. A, I dodged a rather big cannonball by not buying a restaurant space last year. Actually, I didn't want to press that button, but that's what I because I remember you going through the process of that. Very close. Yeah, like I was. I had sent in my offer, and I'd sent in this like impassioned letter. And they were just like, yeah, we want you to just come up on price just a little bit. And I was like, yeah, that's going to be a no from me. Like, I can't make <laughs> that work with my numbers. It's just not going to work. So I walked away, and then they came back, and they're like, oh, that price is good now. And I was like, what's wrong with it? You know? You don't yeah. go and try to buy a car, and then 10 days later, they come and try to give you a lower price of the car and think that something's not wrong with the car. Yeah. So. You, you, I, you knew. You knew. I knew. And, like, it was... I just got some sort of synchronicity, kismet, what have you, that saved my tail. Oh, I'm so glad of, of that, that you, do you, I mean, is it a thing, and sorry to put you on this, but is it a thing you want? Like, do you want a brick and mortar place, or are you just like, don't need it? I want a speakeasy. I just want something mm. where I can tell people. A snackeasy. <laughs> Yeah, I want a snack easy. I want it to be in like an old garage and I want it to have a password at the door and I want to have like the most obnoxiously polite door person to say, yeah, you can't come in. (laughs) (laughs) And and it's because of your attitude. (laughs) It's because you've been scowling this whole time and picking on the person in front of you in line and Chef does Mm -hmm. not like that. (laughs) Good vibes only. Like, no, don't just just be cool, man. Oh, like man. Stella, Stella Parts, she wrote uh, the Brave Tart Deck, and I. So good. She's so good. She she's is so good. I think I knew that, but yeah, she's so talented. Oh my she's god! Taking a well-earned break from all things social, but. Uh, good for her. I've I've never met her, but I'm a huge admirer. Oh, she's phenomenal. I love her. She's a big nerd like me. <laughs> um, and so we would, when she was writing her book, we would ply each other with wine and dragon-based video games. And so that's what got her through her process. And so as I go through my process, I just told her, I was like, I had a waistline before your book came out. I'm going to do this to you. <laughs> I'm going sna- to take a bite out of 72 different donuts one day. <laughs> Girl, I'm going to snack you up. <laughs> but Stella and I have joked about having a little snack easy at some point someday. And we're like, but we don't want to let anyone in. We just want to have fun. <laughs> I I want this for you. And you know what? I'm going to ask you some questions that I ask everybody. Uh Are you braced? (laughs) I am braced. I am braced. I mean, come on. What am I going to say that hasn't had a filter yet? (laughs) (laughs) True. True. 
But so, you know, you've been, you know, working at the Lee Initiative, you've been standing up for people since you were a kid, all this stuff, you help other people. What is the selfish thing you want for you? Oh, Jesus, I don't know. Yeah. Have you given yourself the time? See, that... See, that is why I asked this question. People have cried before when I've asked them because they realize no one asks them that. No, I'm sitting here and my mouth is dropped with a very dumb expression on my face <laughs> because I really haven't thought about that. Yeah. Um, I think I would like to take a trip around Asia for myself to learn about all of the different regional foods. I yeah. just wanted to. I want to go all over and eat food because it teaches me so much about people. It teaches me so much about everything. Like, I just kind of want to become some sort of culinary anthropologist out of this. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, and I ask this question so people can say it out loud. So somebody listening to this can maybe be like, oh, hey, I have this opportunity or something like that and be able to to help you because I think you do have to articulate these these things because it's hard to see. I'm looking at things like TV and stuff like that now, yeah. and I'm just like, how the heck did a tent get this far? Yeah. But it yeah. just shows that it's, it is totally possible. All I wanted to do is have people, A, not in my house, but enjoy, <laughs> <laughs> enjoy the flavors that I grew up with. And I, it just never occurred to me that they're so different because they were always – it's like it's like me – some of the recipes that I've written, I'm like, guys, this is like me eating SpaghettiOs. <laughs> I eat this all the time. This is amazing. And I'm like, do you, do you feel that way about mini ravioli? Like what? Oh my God. <laughs> yes. Like, Sometimes. Yeah. Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it's a gift, like honestly, to give somebody something you love that they may not have had before, like, and give it with love and give it without a, why haven't you heard of this before kind of thing. I mean, that's and that's how we made friends. And when we got to Kentucky, we had yeah. Yeah, just grew and grew, and then it became a business, and that grew and grew. Like the first night when we set up, I didn't think anyone was going to come, and we were sold out within three and a half hours. Wow, wow, that that is, uh, you know, and I'm thinking like the people who started out with like supper club kind of things. Because I'm thinking like Mm -hmm. how Asha Gomez started hers out with, Mm -hmm. you know, like, and I'm I'm just thinking like these various places that started out as like a supper club, a pop up, uh, you know, all these things, and you know, and just have expanded tremendously. And it's again, it's an act of generosity. But it's it's also just like a crazy, challenging adventure. It's a huge problem-solving complex, and I like to solve puzzles. Yeah. And so, you know, like, you're going to be in this, but it's going to be sleeting and snowing, and the top of your tent's going to fall in, but you still have to stay open. Wait, have you done <laughs> Have you done competition TV because you'd excel oh, at that? Oh, my God, no. I, I can't. This is the thing, is that, like, I know it's not my responsibility to carry the torch for Sri Lankan food, but I know that if I mess up on competition TV, I will not mm. hear it until I've been like I will not hear the end of it until I've been dead for about a century all the aunties will come all to get you all the aunties will come and get me so I don't want to piss off the aunties no um, like all of a sudden it's you know like now I'm like the de facto Sri Lankan cuisine kid I'm like guys I know what I know like I don't have the whole history here yeah. <laughs> yeah and that and that's the thing and I've seen that happen also to friends who are carrying the torch for a particular cuisine and they hear it from the aunties and they hear it from a like you have to do it the way that I grew up with and something I'm like you're only one person with your experiences you know, and the funniest thing about the aunties though mm-hmm. is that apparently and this is this is rumor 
that two of them were talking about doing the same thing. And so one of my family members got worried and called me. <laughs> go, oh, this auntie, she wants to start a truck. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> And they're like, you're, you're not worried? And I'm like, if you want to tell me that two 70-year-old women want to run a business behind a bar frying chicken, I want to see it. <laughs> I would I would go in a heartbeat. To, I would I w- pay good money for that. Like, oh my I would God. go work their line. I would go get yelled at and whatever just because I would be so entertained. Because aunties don't have any filter. <laughs> it's, it for folks who haven't seen this there is like kushbisha edited this incredible roundup of a celebration of aunties <laughs> recently made my heart just grow three sizes it is aunties uh, from all different cultures and it is a and like kushbisha is a brilliant human being and uh, she i think since day one at food and wine she'd wanted to celebrate aunties and and she the, did it. Yeah, she did it and it's beautiful. <laughs> and but like you're a brave soul for like <laughs> you know, you you weathered I, I, married, I married a white guy. So I did I and I didn't grad like I didn't graduate as a doctor. I didn't finish medical school. I decided to go into marketing instead. I worked in the music <laughs> industry, which was God, like I didn't even tell the aunties that I worked in the music industry until I was thirty. <laughs> The... What are you doing in these clubs all late at night? And I'm like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. It's, uh, it's all out of a good place. It's just the delivery sometimes leaves a little bit to be desired. <laughs> <laughs> they got to be proud of you now. I got to say, like, yeah, you know, you've done such. a very strange change. Oh, my gosh. So... Everyone thought I was a caterer, and then I was doing, like, high school bake sales. That's what they <laughs> thought it was. Oh, my God. And. <laughs> Yeah, I was just strange because they're like, "Oh, so you're doing that bake sale, right?" I'm like, "What?" Do a caterer, right? I'm like, "No." And some auntie got my phone number, and she called, and she I spent 15 minutes telling her no, because she wanted me to make this Dutch burger dish called lump rice, and that takes like three days to make one properly. She wanted them a day later, and she wanted four, like 30 of them. <laughs> no. No, she's like, oh. But can you do it tomorrow? No. But can you do it by noon tomorrow? No. 15 minutes of that. And my husband is staring at me like, what is happening? And I'm just laughing. So she's become legend in Tuk Tuk Laura's lump rice auntie. She, she then called back and spent 15 minutes trying to convince me to make an, a variety of very complicated shorties, which are like the Sri Lankan drinking tea snack. And... I just, I mean, I don't know how many ways you can say no. I think I was saying it in different languages. <laughs> interpretive dance. Interpretive dance, sign language. It, it just never gets through. I'm like, what they want, what they want, they will get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> so, have you ever cried in the walk-in? Uh, yes. Okay. Why um, is it such a great place? And do you want to talk about why? <laughs> I can talk about, I only, like, I only cry when I'm angry or when I'm, like, extremely emotionally overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And so I did this dinner at Mayman Boston. Mm. We did a two-seating night where I just did a huge, you know, family meal for every table. 
And the second dinner, I had to run downstairs because I was starting to lose it because it was people that I had grown up with that had come up. It's people who had traveled huge distances. It's people who were at my wedding. It's the people who have picked me up when I was going through a breakup. It's, it's you know, it's this collection of all these people that I love and they don't know each other and they're about to know each other and we're all about to be this like beautiful, happy family. And then I got all overwhelmed and, you know, mascara started running and I'm like, I need to go to the walk-in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> these is like, I mean, that sounds like a perfect use of the walk-in. And it was nice and cool in there, and it was sweaty. So <laughs> that's yeah, that's the thing. It's like that that sort of contrast is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. But yeah, it's just like I got so emotionally, you know, hung up on all of these people that I love. Finally yeah. realizing that they should all know each other, and you know, there have been some great friendships that were born at that moment. There that's some great stories, some great pictures, or there are people who were going through really, really hard times that came out of that night with a different outlook because they realized how much love was in that room. Oh, that's beautiful. And that's, yeah. you know, that's why you do what you do. when I get hippy dippy. Don't make too much fun of me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I won't, but. <laughs> so what is your comfort food? Macaroni and cheese. Any particular style? Mm, the gooier, the better. Although okay. I don't like it with like truffle oil. I, I think Ugh, no one does. Or awesome. people do. Or people think they do. Dude, what, I got what the hell? stunned so hard in a, in a Lexington restaurant by a restaurant owner who was so proud of pouring a quarter cup of white truffle oil over this <laughs> tiny ramekin of mac and cheese. And he was wondering why I wouldn't eat it. And he was so proud of himself. He's like, oh, that's white truffle oil. And I'm like, okay, cool. Why are you stunning me on an ingredient from 1996? Like, come on, keep up. It's it's 2017. Let's go. Let's go. It's not okay. <laughs> it's not. No. Um, no. But when, so do you make it? Do you have it made for you? I do make it. I, I like having it made for me. My other comfort food, I actually sent this one to Hunter recently. Mm -hmm. um, there is something that my mother calls the sick curry because she would always make it for me when mm -hmm. I was sick. And so it's a bunch of vegetables and chicken thighs, all stewed in spices with a little bit of saffron down and coconut milk at the end. And I put that on rice, and I can eat bowls of it, and it's just like a warm, happy hug in a bowl. My God. I'm going to, like, immediately jump down Josh's throat and be like, why haven't you sent me this recipe? <laughs> uh, no, I sent it to Hunter. I didn't send oh, it to Hunter. Oh, to Hunter. Oh, I'm going to do even better. I'll, like, <laughs> go and speak with Hunter about that. Um, go that and speak with like... Hunter. Who, like, this is the thing. It's like, you're friends with the editor of Food and Wine because you talk trash about basketball. <laughs> like, this, this is why I don't really fit in this scene, and this is why I'm in this scene. It's because this... I don't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> and yet you are perfectly food and wine. <laughs> For this contrast. What is the last meal that you had that made you emotional? Okay. So it was right after Christmas and I decided to get my pod of buddies together and we had this crazy shrimp meatball crab craziness on the table and it's just like it occurred to me that it, it keeps offering me like food is how I show love and I yeah. really love the people who are around me and who take care of me and who call me and check up on me because this is a very very strange journey it it just doesn't make sense a lot of the time and yeah. a lot of the time I'm sitting there wondering like how did this happen why did this happen how did this person get my name like how does this person know who I am this doesn't make any sense Mm -hmm. But in, in Lexington, I'm extremely anonymous, which is great. <laughs> so, That's just, yeah. And you have your support group and you have the people 
who truly care about you. You, you think about how much that means. When you have somebody who has your back and who's loyal in their friendship, that's everything to them. It yeah, really that is the chosen family. That is dogs and all. <laughs> it is. Dogs and all. My dogs love them. I love them. I don't trust someone that my dogs don't like. Yeah, I think my that's dog. a really good. No, that's a really good metric to have. I think. <laughs> and I get that people. Some people are nervous around dogs, and I totally get that. But it's you know, if if the dogs are sort of nervous about a person, then you got to listen to that. <laughs> But I mean, you've seen my hound dog snoot. Like yeah. all you gotta do is just boop him. I just want to. I want to boop that dog. I cannot oh, wait. I want to so boop. Boopable. I want to boop and cuddle that dog. And yeah. <laughs> so, what restaurant meal do you want? What have you? What is the restaurant meal you've been craving and can't wait to get back to? Okay, I have a fast casual one, which is a Chocorero from Boston, which is the Chilean sandwich joint on Arch Street that I love. Mm-hmm. And then, ooh, wow, like fancy meal-wise? Like date night. Really, really good meals. I'd like to go back to Upper Line. Oh, God, I love it. The experience there. Mm -hmm. It is, uh, so folks listening, it is a restaurant in uh, New Orleans uh, hosted by Joanne Clevenger, who... uh, Joanne Clevenger, who is... The hostess with the most. It's between that and like Fonfon. I love how part is kind of flows, floats around the room and, and makes things happen. But like Upper Line is just so neat. They've got old paintings on the wall. They have an actual bourbon selection. You have Drew Brees painted as a Greek god. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, that's also a very amusing bonus. <laughs> it's, a, I mean, it's such a special dining experience. And I have not been to Fon Fun, but I love Pardis Stitt tremendously. She's been in the pages of uh, Food Wine, Food Wine Pro for, you know, her hospitality. And she is, she's just a magical I think human I being. I told her once that I wanted to be her when I grew up. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, after, she is. After a couple of, after a couple of bourbons, I'll just say anything that's on my brain. So. She's, <laughs> she's beautiful and she's glamorous oh, and she. And, and warm and uh, she's all of the things that make a, a good you know um, like heart of a restaurant and it's yeah actually Josh Miller wrote the profile of her for food and wine nice. <laughs> yeah there we go See, all our loves are getting his props all our loves are coming together like Chidi Chidi Kumar and I have oh, a drink agreement oh my god she's amazing I love her restaurant so much she has a phenomenal restaurant uh and in 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 Raleigh, folks, get there. <laughs> get there. The second it is safe, get there. Yeah, she and I were talking after I got my shots, and I was just like, "When we are fully vaccinated, let's meet up at Fon Fon for a patio dinner." And so that's <sighs> like our next. I'm like, when are we going? Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm fully vaxxed. Let's do this. <laughs> it's I like I said, you know, I have an actual calendar uh, date from my friend Rupa for like the the second it is all safe and uh, she is going to come over and meet my dogs. Because <laughs> <laughs> most of the time we've been friends, we uh, we have not been able to see each other. And she actually um, met me at the end of the. I walked, uh, you know, home over after getting my shot, my first shot, I walked over the Manhattan bridge and I texted her during it. And she said, I'll come and meet you at the end. And, uh, oh. Rupa Bhattacharya, <laughs> good God, I That's love amazing. you. Yeah. Um, so I, I appreciate those dates in the future and just like hold them dear, but like seeing her there at the end, it was, she was like an, you know, pink haired angel with a city bike. <laughs> it was such a beautiful thing. Next question. What oh, living musician 
because otherwise it would just be like <laughs> too hard to do. What living musician would you want to cook for and what would you cook for them? Dolly Parton, anything. Okay, how you are like the million person of St. Dolly no, no, for great reason. I'm, I'm there with you. I'm there with you. Since 2016, when I opened my podcast, I have had the hashtag Dolly Parton eats for free on I, the menu. I, it's in your profiles. It's in your profile. It's on, she has heard about it, apparently. <gasps> yeah. Like wow. One of, the, one of the Dollywood PR gals was doing a TV spot right before me, and I was just like, wait, Dollywood's here? Do you know about the hashtag? <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, what? And then she found out, and she's like, Dolly is going to be very tickled by this. Oh, and the thing <laughs> so is, like, you just I actually got my first invite to Dollywood. <gasps> I love Dollywood so much. I do, oh. too. It's so good. And the roller coasters are actually great. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's really and my uh, I've only been there once and like and it was sort of a short uh, trip with with a couple of friends of mine uh, and we uh, we went to the ham and beans place. <laughs> Is there a specific restaurant that's just ham and beans? So we we had that. It's such a magical place and you, oh my gosh. But if if it weren't Dolly Parton, which I'm still aiming, angling, whatever for. Yeah, what would you make for I Dolly? The PR. T- oh man. I want to learn how to make her biscuits, the sausage and biscuits with the milk gravy. I want to learn her recipe for that. Yeah. And how she does it, because apparently she makes it all the time. Because you know it would be great. If I were cooking for Dolly, I would want her to have like a street up she wanted me on. I think she'd be game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, with a crab be... curry and like all of the crazy-ass dishes that are stupidly good that I don't know why they're stupidly good. They just are. So, <laughs> I yeah, love... Aside from Dolly, I can't even think of Dolly's good enough. (laughs) The music industry for a really long time, and so I would be the one who was like adopting the wayward bands, and everyone would show up at my house the morning after the show in Boston. Mm. So I would make brunch, and so that was like a very normal thing for me for a long time. Was like I would just make brunch for the bands that played the clubs that I worked in. So I've cooked for a lot of bands, but I can't think of like one beyond Dolly that. And I was I thinking, like, it's like easily starstruck either. So. Well, I mean, and the music industry has been hit just like uh, the food industry. So I definitely feel some sort of alliance coming on. Mm-hmm. It's it's crazy. I mean, everyone has completely lost everything with no hope of it coming back anytime soon. And I've got friends who are tour managers, merch people, you know, touring guitarists, touring what have you. They all lost all their work. And they're yeah. Working on anything that they can. And so. Anything that the food industry can do to help them out, they've been doing. I think CMT has now partnered up with the Touring Professionals Relief Kitchen to feed folks in Nashville. And it's starting to show that symbiosis that we need. Yeah. I mean, because it's... Really not... I jumped from the, from the music industry to the advertising industry to the food industry. None of them are different. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> They're all the same. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I want like every restaurant to have a musician at it now. <laughs> and just like, cause you know, I was thinking like when I, you know, was in the recovery room for, you know, for my vaccine, there was a, there was a string quartet in playing uh, don't stop believing and stuff. And I was like, this is a great way to like employ professional musicians is to have them there. Like as people are, you know, under medical observation after they, they get their vaccine. So I love that. Final question. You have five uninterrupted minutes for self-care. Like the dogs are good. Your husband's good. Your phone is like, everything is taken care of. What do you do with those five minutes? Wow. I can't 
I think at the time I had had five minutes. Yeah. That's crazy. You know, actually, I have had five minutes recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to go write some stuff for a book, and I was sitting out on the deck of the condo I was staying in and just staring at a rainforest for a little bit. And that's generally what I do. I will go look at plants. I will go look at animals. I like to walk around in flowers. Like I'm very into that sort of... I'm not an outdoorsy person, but I like it when the outdoors is pretty. Yeah. That's the the five-minute walk to clear your mind. And Sometimes I go on a country drive. That's generally pretty good. Yeah. Um, That's the best thing about living in Lexington is, like, I'm ten minutes away from a beautiful rolling hill country drive that can clear my mind. Yeah. Yeah. think that is perfect and if people wanted to find out more about you and the work you're doing and stuff where where can they do that i don't know if they're going to want to after this (laughs) (laughs) i think you'll have a whole lot of new fans uh everything online is t-u-k t-u-k l-e-x tuk tuk lex or tuk tuk lex.com i'm fairly active on instagram i complain a lot on twitter um and i'm generally I'm generally pretty easy to find, but I haven't been doing as many events because of COVID, but I am doing a pop-up in New York in Carroll Gardens. Yeah, you sure are. And I'm going to be there. And at the when... end of April at Emma's Torch. So and I got to will... send you my menu. Yeah. And we will drop a link to Emma's Torch uh, in, in, in the notes here. And I am so excited to see your face and uh, you know your mask I'm face. I'm sure we'll all still so be doing people. <laughs> so many people. It's going to be great. <laughs> just so you know, our food and wine Slack group is like, I was actually just making a, a, a plan with Kishbusha and Marie Yagoda, and we are going to descend upon you and bring everybody from our team who is who is uh, you know in Brooklyn or you know in the tri-state area? Um, we're we're gonna bomb you with love. <laughs> Good lord, no! The, the list of people who are interested in coming to the pop up is very very daunting, and you guys are on that daunting list. <laughs> <laughs> snack me up, baby! Snack me up. <laughs> Thank you so much to uh, my guest, Sam Four for this conversation and for the previous one. If you haven't heard that, please go back and listen. Um, we actually recorded it uh, right in the wake of the uh, shootings in Atlanta. And uh, we got really very, very frank about you know, Sam's experiences of growing up brown in a southern town and preconceived notions and standing up for vulnerable people. And it's, it was just, um, you know, a really intense conversation to have. And I'm so grateful to her for her openness about all of, you know, everything from mental health to helping people in need. And uh, if you want to support the efforts that the Lee Initiative is making, uh, there is a link in the show notes to it. They're doing such vital work for uh, restaurant workers and also for the future of restaurants and the communities they're in. And I really uh, urge you to go and find out more about them. And also, you know, Sam and I talked about therapy in uh, in this podcast. As you heard at the beginning, I just come back from my therapy session and it's a drum that I bang a lot. Um, if you're struggling uh, in the wake of 
you know, everything that has happened in the past year plus life plus, <laughs> there is help out there for you. And, you know, I, I know that it's, it can seem really daunting and expensive and difficult to even get started. You might be facing uh, blowback from your own community um, going to seek resources, you know, like, like Sam was talking about. But there are places out there uh, to start. Um, we've got a list in the Food & Wine Pro section of Food & Wine. Go to foodandwine.com slash fwpro. Look for the Mental Health Resources Guide there. Um, we're focusing on low-cost and free options for people so they're isn't a barrier to entry. Everybody deserves good mental health care. And, uh, you know, even if you want to reach out to me personally, and, you know, I can, as Sam could tell you, I uh, live for finding people um, the right therapist. And I'm cat.kinsman at foodandwine.com. This is a really important mission to me and to Sam. So, you know, reach out and talk with somebody. And, you know, I also want to thank our incredible producer, Antara Sinha, who just is the light of my, my podcast life and, and just a great, you know, colleague in general. Um, just she does a million different things. You're going to be see, seeing more and more of her writing in the magazine. And it is just an absolute joy to work with her. And she makes this podcast work every week. And I deeply appreciate her. And uh, Sarah Crowder, who uh, gets together the images for the online part of this. Thank you so much, Sarah. And to Hunter Lewis, uh, who writes our Food & Wine Pro newsletter that Oset Babur and I uh, also work on every week. You know, it's the it's the news that you care about. If you listen to this podcast, you're going to care about what we talk about in the uh, in the newsletter. Um, you know, insights about what is you know happening currently in the world of hospitality. It is the links to the most important stories of the week and the link to the latest podcast, which you know, <laughs> always happy about, and also some words of wisdom from our resident meditation instructor. Kelsey Youngman. I'm going to ask you to take really good care of yourself until the next time. And I'm going to kick it over to Kelsey for a meditation. Take it away, Kelsey. Hello there. I'm Kelsey Youngman, the Associate Food Editor at Food and & Wine. And I'm here with another mantra for the week. Thich Nhat Hanh, a Vietnamese Buddhist monk, among several others, wrote a book on transforming suffering called No Mud, No Lotus. To be a bit reductive, it's about the interconnectivity of suffering and joy. Without mud, the lotus flower cannot grow. But it is also about learning the skills to sit with suffering, to not shove it away, to show up in the world alongside it. It is about how it takes knowledge to transform garbage into compost, if you will. Kind, self-compassionate, loving compost compost that helps beautiful things grow. So this week, remember that there are multiple paths forward. There are hard skills to be practiced. There is growth and goodness to be experienced. You're not in it alone, and you can learn to compost. Happy spring, everyone. Lots of love. <laughs>